We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So let me ask you this. Why do you think he punches that paper towel dispenser? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I don't think I have a definitive answer. I mean, I think that there's the the obvious answer that he thought he was going to die and he was okay with that. And this complicates things for him. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think like if I just have to... I mean, if I just look at it, at the whole the whole picture that that it's painting, I mean, I think a lot about the idea of whenever he has this reason, it makes everything that he's doing different. You know, it's all in reference to that. Whereas if you take that away, then he has to sort of look at himself as this is what I'm doing. And, and there's no excuse anymore. It's just who he's become. So, yeah, I think what I what I like about this is that I do think, and and this is something that you've mentioned before in previous podcasts that you know he was sort of resigned to to his fate, like you know this death sentence he has, and he was comfortable with that. I think it manages to be more than that at the same time, which is really interesting because from this point forward, at least based on you know everything that led to this and and not even taking into consideration what happens after but just this moment for this character after he just went through this episode you know mhm it does it does change you know before you you sort of watched him react to things and and you and you kind of can you kind of can figure out why he did what he did now that the character doesn't have that same motivation it really makes you think about things a little bit differently. Agreed with everything you just said. So I, I think this uh, really does support that theory that this was a man resigned to death and now he knows he's going to live. And I, I think of a couple of things, right? I think of that hope button, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and how he threw that away. And where we leave off at this episode, even though they go through a lot of trials and tribulations along the way, he gets what he he ultimately wanted, right? He gets that money. He's going to have something to be able to leave behind for his family. Everything's all, you know, as far as he's concerned, packaged and neat and tidy, and he's ready to lay down, right? And he was so sure that what he saw in that x-ray was cancer. And, uh, you know, the, the expedience of getting this done was all the more urgent for him, of course. And then to be told that, uh, as Dr. Uh, Del Cavoldi says it, signs of remission um, and uh, what that does for him now is gives him more time. I think that's just something that he never considered. He really didn't allow himself to think that that far into the future. And a couple of other things that occurred to me watching this, when he punches the paper towel dispenser, of course, I'm reminded of, of Jimmy uh, McGill mm -hmm. and Better Call Saul and his uh, trash cannon. I'll say more about that later. But uh, something else is when he uh, pulls his uh, fists away and he's looking at that distorted reflection of himself, 
You notice his knuckle prints and they're bloody on the paper towel mm-hmm. dispenser. So you have uh, the traces of blood there. And I feel like that in a way uh, is, may- I don't know if they did this intentionally, but in the very final episode of the series in Felina, when he uh, is uh, in that makeshift lab at uh, Jack's place, you remember the last thing he does yeah. before he drops dead? He touches that vat and he leaves that bloody handprint on That's that metallic true, surface. Yeah. So let me also ask you this other question. Are you familiar with um, the idea of remission of sin? Have you ever heard that expression? Um, I, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anything. No, I don't think I, I've ever heard that. I mean, obviously the, uh, putting those two words together, it, it gives me an idea of what it, what it's about, but I, I don't know where it comes from. So in Catholicism, um, there's a, what's called an indulgence, which is a, a way to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for their sins. And the catechism specifically of the Catholic Church describes an indulgence as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven, which the faithful Christian who is duly disposed gains under certain prescribed conditions through the action of the church, yada, 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 mm-hmm. right? So this idea of remission of sin is, in in other words, it's like the act of absolution or remitting. To remit sin is to become free of sin. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of this in terms of like this little, that little, it's not a confession, but it is a moment where they're in the RV and he's, you know, lying there and he says to Jesse, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of like, uh, of, of. And, and we're going to get more into this uh, in just a second after uh, you know we wrap this up. Yes, but we surely this, will. I, I just want to, <laughs> yeah, I just want to leave you with this idea though that he is actually acknowledging his sin here or his wrongdoing. Like uh-huh. there is a little bit of of acknowledgement of what he has done. Definitely. All right, sixteen thousand laundered at seventy five cents on the dollar. Minus my fee, which is 17%, comes to $9,960. Congratulations, you just left your family a secondhand Subaru. Let's just have to cook more, a lot more. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my legal opinion. This is Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad Rewatch podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Pete. And today we're going to be talking about four days out. Pete, you got a synopsis for us? Yep. And I think I can get through this one pretty quickly. Uh, Walt goes for a round of tests to see if the treatment is working. He won't hear from the doctor for four days, but on his way out, he sees a reflection of the scan in like a picture that's hanging on the wall or something like that. And he notices that there's a large white area right on his lung. He goes to see Saul, who introduces him to the money laundering process. He finds out after all the setbacks, he still only has $9,960 to leave behind for his family. At home, Skylar suggests they do something together over the weekend to get his mind off the test results. But he tells her he needs to go visit his mother to make sure that she'll help out the family if anything happens to him. Jesse and Jane make plans to visit the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum in Santa Fe, 
But that's interrupted when Walt calls and lies saying that they have to cook right now because <laughs> the methylamine that they have will go bad if they don't. They go off into the desert where things start off really well. I mean, they make 42 pounds of meth in just a couple of days. And uh, after Walter does the math, they realize that that will net them $672,000 each, which is really close to that number of 737 that he's shooting for. After that, though, things go wrong. The generator runs out of gas, and when they decide to go into town for the night, like to take a night off, they realize that because Jesse left the keys in the ignition, the battery is now dead. Walt connects the wrong cables when they try to charge it using the battery and a fire starts. Jesse uses the last of their water to put that out, and when they call Skinny Pete, he agrees to come, but he never finds his way there. And as they try things that don't work... Walt starts coughing up blood. After Jesse realizes the methylamine story was a lie and Walt gets uncharacteristically honest, which we were just talking about in the teaser there, he talks about that harm that he's caused and he, and he kind of takes responsibility for it. He comes up with an idea to make a battery with things they have around the RV. Spare change, um, was there anything made out of zinc? galvanized yeah um this works and they do make it out and when they get to the airport jesse promises walt to get his share to his family no matter what happens then at the doctor's office with his entire family there walt learns that his cancer is in remission and his tumor has shrunk by 80 percent which means that there's really no question that you know he, he is getting better for the time being the cough turned out to be related to the treatment, and the blood was likely from a tear in his esophagus. That takes us to the end of the episode where we just talked about Walt is in the bathroom, and as he's drying his hands, he looks up and sees his reflection, and that sets him off, and he basically unloads and, and pummels the towel dispenser, and then it cuts to black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so another classic episode here. Uh, this one has, I think, a lot of peak Walton, Jesse banter and is um, a great illustration of how they go about problem solving and trying to figure out how they're going to get out of this situation. Uh, I heard that uh, Aaron Pauls has said that this is his favorite episode and that's not surprising. This is a really good one. And um, yeah. upon rewatch, I definitely see uh, a lot of connections to Better Call Saul. So some are, are really obvious, like that shot of Walt standing in front of the um, Albuquerque airport. We see Kim uh, in the exact same place in Waterworks when she goes back mm -hmm. to Albuquerque. Um, of course, the idea of being stranded in the desert, we see Jimmy and Mike get stranded in the desert. Um, but then there, there are some more subtle uh subtle similarities like jesse's talking about having to drink your own urine which i, I forgot about until rewatching this he's telling walt about how he watched like national geographic or something and mm -hmm. the guy said it tasted like like hot old soda <laughs> yeah um but also and, he, I, and he says that like it's like it's some big revelation like you know yeah. <laughs> i really love that the way that he throws that in there yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I was thinking, like, why didn't they show them drinking their own urine or trying to make water with their lab or something like that? 
Um, but I guess they, they amended that in, in Better Call Saul, where we do get to see that. And then, um, of course, another similarity is one I already alluded to, and that's with uh, Walt punching that paper towel dispenser and Jimmy taking his frustration out on the the trash can. Um, and that scene of Walt punching the paper towel dispenser is one that has always stayed with me. I've always thought about that question that I asked you, Pete, like, why does he do it? And as we mm-hmm. already already discussed, I think it really does show us that this was a man who was really just resigned to die. He was ready to go. What about you? What did you think about this one? Yeah, I really love this episode. And I agree that the Better better Call Saul connections are pretty overwhelming in this one. Um, I don't think I ever... I, I, I guess individually I knew all of those things were there. But just having seen Saul's introduction last week, a brief look at him here in this episode... And then, yeah, they just start jumping out at you um, when you watch it this time. Also, Walt's appearance in El Camino, um, Mm -hmm. that is a shot that fills in the blanks on what happened between, you know, when they get the RV started and Jesse takes him back to the airport. So uh, that's that's an interesting connection there, too. And this is another one of those episodes that's just beautiful. Like, you just, there's so many good... um, transitions and different things just a lot of those wide shots and uh great great shots of the desert this is the first one that michelle mclaren directed and you could see why they relied on her so many times after this you Mm -hmm. know going forward in the series she she's really involved from this point on and uh that was a great decision and you can see you know where they got the idea at when you watch this episode um the setup of Walt thinking that he has, you know, only a few, like he says that he has weeks, I think, at one point in this mm-hmm. episode. And, and and he really believes that, um, you know, the coughing has been increasing. You know, we see, it, you know, produce blood here at one point. And obviously seeing that 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 reflection of the scan, you know, it, it does make sense for him to be more desperate than usual. And then they resolve everything quite neatly by the end of this episode. So, you know, it should be victorious when we get to that paper towel scene that we, that we've been talking about. I mean, and, and I agree that is like an all timer, um, breaking bad moment. Um, you know, that's up there as far as I'm concerned, that's up there with crawl space and, and some of those other really, um, you know, memorable scenes that, that you just can't, forget about when you think about this series and um like i said i it does i i agree that it does you know hint at him being resigned to his death sentence but it manages to be so many you know so much more at the same time and um it really is a great moment to bring us into the you know the final phase of this season so it's exciting really is right and thinking about the structure of this episode and how they they set up the timeline right like where we begin in the in the doctor's office and then we end in the doctor's office and then the four days out of course being a a reference to how long he has to wait to get his test results but also how long they're stuck out in the desert um and and he thinks he has uh time to to cook and as we said get everything in order to be able to die and leave something for his family um, but this idea of like like distorted reflections, I think, is something that mm-hmm. is uh, another way that they they bookend this episode. So 
he sees the reflection of his CT scan in the, the picture on the wall behind the tech, and he misinterprets it, right? And I think mm-hmm. they do a great job setting that up with the conversation that the whole family has in the waiting room, where Maria is talking about how, like, you know, it's not that difficult to read it. I could read it. You know, we could take <laughs> – text could take one look and know exactly what's going on. So with that in mind, right, like You know, he, you guys don't have to stay if you don't want to. You yeah. can go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So Walt is now – he's received this information like it's not really hard to read. Like it's an obvious thing to be able to, to look at. Yeah. So then he sees that and, of course, he's, you see this big scary blob on your lung and he's been coughing a lot. And, uh, you know, well, where is his mind going to go? Of course, it's going to go to Yeah, there, there is no scenario. other – there is no other conclusion to be drawn there. You see a big giant white blob, you think I'm dying, right? I exactly. mean that's the that's the context of why he's there is to find out if things got better and they visibly got worse as far as what he can tell. So, yeah, it's perfect setup. Yeah, and then when he's lying in bed later with Skylar and she's, you know, asking, "Let's do something this weekend to get our mind off of it." And then that's when he says he wants to go see his mom, but of course that's just his cover so he can go cook with Jesse. But I think it's, again, one of those rare moments where he's being honest, apart from the the fact that he's lying about where he's going, but that he really thinks the news is going to be bad. He really does believe the news is, is going to, to be bad. And something that he says to her um, really struck me about how um, he's going to earn every, you know, uh, every penny of it. Because again, he's going to, to say that he's going to get money for his, from his mom to make sure that it's left for Skylar. So, we're led to assume, right, the money that he's making with Jesse, he's going to say is from his mother. That's going to be his cover of how they're getting this money. Because if you'll remember the conversation he has with Saul, he's like, she's not stupid. You know, I can't just, yeah. you know. So this is a this is part of that cover story as well. And I thought their conversation about his mother was really interesting. So we've been talking a lot about mothers and the role of motherhood mm-hmm. in this uh in the series and Walt's relationship with Skylar, um, we'd never meet his mom. We never meet any of his family apart from the immediate family, his wife and kids and his in-laws. Uh, but the what we're told about the mother is that she's really overbearing and he says like he it's difficult to get a word in edgewise. And they're joking at one point. He says that he's going to have to listen to how Juanita hid her ashtray. And something that never occurred to me was like, well, you know, when he was first diagnosed with cancer, they were like, you never smoked. This doesn't make sense. And Skylar's like, maybe it was from the lab. Maybe it was from growing up in a house full of secondhand smoke, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I never made that con- connection either. But um, that's interesting for that reason, but also because of him being so against smoking. I mean, that just kind of reinforces mm-hmm. how how strained his his relationship with his mother is like. He brings up the ashtray. That's obviously something that bothered him, you know, as a kid. Maybe it was her smoking, and and you know, it's just it it's it seems like really obvious in retrospect to see that you know there's like some really strange feelings between him and his family, and and yet you know you bring it up that that we never see her, and um, I feel like the way that they do this, it's it's pretty credible, right? Because. Mm-hmm. You know, you could if either one of them was was saying this and the other one wasn't like going hand in hand, you know, like you might think, oh, well, maybe that's a little bit of exaggeration, you know, like, you know, like Skylar, she might not like 
her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law, you know, is weird about her son or something, you know, like there's, there's a, there's a way that it could be distorted if it was just through the lens of, of her experience or whatever. But because they're both pretty much yeah. in agreement that, that her mother, his mother sucks, like you kind of believe it, right? Yeah. Like it, you don't really need to actually meet her. It's just, it's just pretty uh, effective way to show us that he won't be, you know, he won't be going to to actually see her anytime soon. Yeah, and it's it's also a good plot point because when Skylar's dropping him off at the airport, he's like, "You can call anytime," and he says that knowing she won't, and she even says, "And yeah. risk talking to uh-huh. your mother." Yeah, it would have to be some big emergency. So it really is the perfect cover in more ways than one. It lets him get out of town for a couple of days, and he knows that Skylar isn't going to be, you know interfering in any way because she doesn't doesn't want to get involved with that part of of the the mother she doesn't want to deal with the mother uh-huh. but i was i guess i was thinking more in terms of like uh like who walt is and how he was perhaps raised and i mean it's we only get a couple of lines about the mother but this is someone that obviously isn't very close to the to him um she lives in a different mm-hmm. state we get an idea that she's in like a nursing home or assisted living of some kind and uh, yeah, it's it's not someone he speaks to regularly. She doesn't even know he has cancer at this point. So mm-hmm. I was I I feel like you know upon more reflection, it might also tell us something a little bit about Walt and Skyler's relationship and why he may have initially been attracted to someone like Skyler, who is very mothering, right? Yeah. Because maybe I don't know, maybe he was missing that in his life. It sounds like his mom was a really overbearing, dominating person. So. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it is interesting. Um, it it kind of it, it. I think it's probably more interesting in in the moment when you know when you first watch this because there's always the potential that that she'll become a part of the story at some point. But I mean, watching it now, we know that that that's never going to happen. So yeah, kind of she does. It kind of kill. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, she she does get mentioned one more time, uh-huh. and that's when Skylar figures out that he never actually went to go see his mother, and that's when she breaks up with him, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly what episode that is, but uh, that's when, of one of the other times he follows her out to the car, and uh, she is, because it's yeah. right after his surgery with the second cell phone, and um, she, she starts figuring everything out, and she wants him to move out, and she's like, I called your mother, and it turns out you never went, so... That's the only other time, as far as I can recall, that she gets gets mentioned. You're listening to Growth Decay Transformation. We'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. The first of the summer shows to hit our calendar begins next week, so it's time for us to talk about The Boys. Join us for the Season 4 Preview Podcast this Thursday to see if the boys can continue to delight and disgust. This is normally where we tell you about what's going on with the latest Prestige podcast. Unfortunately, due to the very hectic nature of our summer lineup, we decided to move Prestige to an every-other-week release schedule. 
That means no Prestige podcast this week. We'll be back with more Prestige covered soon. Don't forget about the bear. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Let's get cooking. We're back with more growth, decay, transformation. Yeah, and you know this this episode it it really is you know a, a ton of it is out and 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 it's better for it. I mean, I I, I really like the time we see with just Jesse and Walt. Um, but it but it really efficiently moves through like touching on all the bases before they before they go. You know, like we like I said, we see a quick shot of of Saul. Uh, we see a quick shot of Jane. We see a little bit of Skylar, you know what I mean? Um, Hank and, and Marie are there, you know, like they're involved. Like we see, we get a little check-in from everyone before we, we sort of go out and, um, you know, they're isolated in the desert together. And I thought it was, it was a nice contrast between Walt and Skylar in bed. And then you get the, the scene of Jesse and Jane in bed and they're on those yellow sheets and the sun is streaming in. They're a young couple, happy in love. They're giddy Uh and, uh, you know, planning their, their day. And, um, again, we we talked a lot about how just doomed this relationship already is (laughs) and how tragic it is, but, you know, in a different world, um, had they gone to that museum, uh, you know how, yeah, how different know. Would they, their their lives have been. It's rough later whenever he's at the he's a, you know whenever they after they do the cranking you know for all that time and it it starts just for a moment and then it it cuts out. I think that's when he sort of slumps over the the thing and says, "Why didn't I just go to Sat- Santa Fe?" Right? Yeah. It's such a such devastating little moment there. And they do eventually do they do get to the museum at some point because I know Jesse has a flashback at some point I, I where think that's in um, that's in El Camino too, isn't it? Oh, is that I can't remember if it's in El Camino or in the series. Yeah, I, I did I, go back and watch this one scene from El Camino, the one where like they are at the hotel and then they go and have um, they're at a buffet. Uh, so that's supposed to happen once they get the RV started before he takes them back to the airport. Did you go back and watch it? I didn't watch it this time. Um, I watched it. I watched the whole movie not too long ago. Uh, I, I think my takeaway was that it was it, it's one of the one of the more decent Walt scenes between mm-hmm. them. You know, like where he's he's it, uh, like this. He's not quite as unreserved as he is in in the in the RV later in this episode, but he's he's still kind of in that space. Maybe was yeah, that who- yeah, 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 yeah. So in that scene, we see Jesse taking a bath, and then he's on the phone with Jane in his nice cold hotel room, and then they walk down to this uh, cafe, uh, the Owl Cafe, I think it was called, and the conversation that they have is. Walt asking Jesse what he wants to do because now like they think they have all this money and mm-hmm. you know they, they both are kind of operating under this idea that Walt is his time is numbered right his mm-hmm. days are numbered he's gonna die so they're talking about Jesse's future and Walt is encouraging him to to go to college and they're talking about business school and uh, Walt at one point he looks out the window rather wistfully um, at the I guess those are the Sandia Mountains and you see the RV in the parking lot and mm-hmm. uh, he tells Jesse how lucky he is that he gets to start anew start fresh 
And that's uh, that's about it for, for that scene. I mean, I don't think it really adds a lot to our understanding of this particular episode. I think it, you know, adds to Jesse's story, though. And yeah. uh, it, it makes it a little a little sadder thinking about like if things had gone differently for him and um in El Camino at one point he tells uh Ed you know you'll never know how sorry I am that I didn't leave that one day that you were supposed to pick me up and I'm sure you know Jesse's just filled with regrets of course by the end yeah but yeah I, you know I I think about it like we were you were saying about how Jesse and Jane how they're you know they're young and in love and and it's you know, it, it it's real at that point, you know what I mean? And it, and it is, it is a thing like if, if only, you know, they were able to go down that road or whatever. And it, it's contrasted so perfectly by the way that, that Walt just sort of assumes that, that she's, you know, some piece of, uh, you know, he said, what does he say? He says, uh, stripper. Yeah. He said, that's all I need is for Skylar to call and a, and a stripper answers. You know, it's just such mm-hmm. a, such a crude and, and just, um, thoughtless comment to make, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the way that that all just sort of underlines like their relationship and, and just the whole idea that, yeah, he should have just went, he should have just not answered the phone and went to Santa Fe and, and lived a whole, a completely different life, you know? Walt is so mean to him. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's really like I. He's like, so mean. I guess I always noticed this that you know, but when I'm rewatching it, like when th- those little lines like that, those ones really uh, turn me against Walt in a way that they they never used to. Um, just it's just pointlessly cruel, you know. what I mean, like there's no reason to 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 have an opinion on on <laughs> on Jesse's new friend, you know, you know who you haven't met except for you know, outside of the building where she came off as completely reasonable and, and somewhat responsible for that matter, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think he, he realizes that that's the girlfriend. I either, guess that, though. yeah, that's probably yeah. true. Um, but still, I mean, just to, just to be that, to think that low of him, like, you know, there's several lines in this, you know, he, he yeah. says. So what does he, he say? Um, Smoking a pot, eating Cheetos, and masturbate- masturbating doesn't count as a plant in my book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah, I'm calling, referring to Jane as a stripper. Um, of course, uh, when Jesse throws the water on the generator and he's uh, like, oh, that's the problem. You and thinking, we figured yeah. it out, you know? So, I mean, that was a stupid move. And, and Jesse says, you know, excuse me for thinking on my feet. And um, there were two excuse me's in this in this episode. So the first excuse me is Skylar when she says, you know, excuse me for being hopeful, right? When they're when they're talking uh. about um, their different attitudes, and then jo- Jesse's excuse me for for thinking on my feet. And uh, I think that really speaks to Walt's ego and how sure he is of himself, and how uh, just how obsessed he is with like thinking that he is always right and everyone else is always wrong. Yeah. But you know that the truth is is he does need Jesse. And this is something we've talked about. This is something that Jesse even recognized at some point like Walt you need me, really, you do. Mm-hmm. And he does. He does, but you know the the way he treats him and the way he he talks down to him and constantly belittles him, I think is part of his the way he manipulates Jesse cuz you know Jesse and this is something we've also talked about before looks up to Walt um and wants to please him. So I don't know, maybe in some like, you know, psycho psychological way, trying to prove to him that he's he's more than that 
you know, F student that, you know, didn't give a shit in school. You know, he's, he's got something to prove yeah. uh, to, to Walt, to the world, to his family, to himself. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, though, that this is how he's going about it. Absolutely. Yeah, the the one that, yeah, you, you said that he mentioned it and it and and that's tr- or you said that he needs him and and that's true. I mean, right, you know, right from the beginning of this whole plan, he tells him he needs him to go shopping. That that's probably going to take a whole day in and of itself. That's something that Walt wouldn't have been able to do. Obviously, he doesn't coordinate the uh, storage of the RV and everything else. You know what I mean? Like there really isn't a a way that he could have pulled this off without Jesse. And I'm sure he understands that on some level, but like you say, his attitude is that, you know, this is all, anything good that happens is all because of, because of his plans or, you know, his superior intellect for, for lack of a better term, you know? And, um, and and there is, I mean, you do see that here in this episode. You see this um, this moment where things are going right, like when they pull it off. Mm-hmm. Whenever they 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 labor and they get out there, they they get everything together, and they have this huge uh, yield of of dope that they're going to sell, and it's going to solve all their problems. And you see them closer in that moment than than really, you know many other <laughs> points in the story like they 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 they're celebrating together and they realize that you know there is teamwork involved and that they they accomplish something but of course you know that all goes out the window whenever um Jesse decides to put those keys into the ignition so to keep yeah. them safe <laughs> after being berated you know for for putting them on the on the, the uh, workstation the workstation yeah. which seems like a pretty fine place to put them if you really think about it that's just like needlessly needing to want to control your your partner there um but i mean i think you know there's a, there's you could see things from Walt's point of view here too i mean you there a lot of this is a situation where you can see the worst being brought out in him, you know, like he does mm-hmm. think he's dying. We 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 kind of acknowledge the fact that he's resigned himself to the fact that this is like a last hurrah, you know, like he just needs to pull this off because he's going to die. I mean, those are not I mean, who's going to be acting their best under those conditions? I mean, that's why this is an interesting premise for the episode and why, you know, it works so well. But yeah, those little lines, those little jabs, man, they really they they're really sharp and they they cut and they make the, you know, they make this character a lot less likable when you know where it's headed. You know that that is a good point though, the the stress that he is under um helps us understand it a little bit better. I mean, it doesn't excuse it, but it helps us no. <laughs> understand it. And of course, Jesse is his punching bag. Jesse's the only person who he can talk to about anything, really. Yeah, he's the only one that knows everything that's going on, you know? Yeah, and, and Jesse even figures out when he's being lied to, right? Like, the the whole... Like, how he's able to figure out that the methylamine isn't really bad. Um, Jesse's able to to pick up on, on some of Walt's deceptions. And just one other thing that gets glossed over in the episode, you did mention it when you were giving the synopsis, but Walt hooked up the, the battery wrong to the, to yeah. the generator. And, um, you know, he made a pretty stupid mistake. Had it been Jesse that hooked it up wrong, that would have been, you know, another uh, uh, a tirade of, you know, more insults and, and, uh, and you know, just beating up on Jesse for, for that mistake. But, uh, you know, Jesse mentions, I understand that 
you hooked up the battery wrong, you know, but he's not like really rubbing his face in it the way that Walt rubs his face in every mistake that he makes. So I just, yeah, because I, I thought he was a little humbled. Yeah, because if you think about it, Walt fires back so quick and it really underlines mm-hmm. the, the power differential, you know, the, the dynamics they have, like. Yeah, it it, kind of reminds me of like, this is completely unrelated, but you know, the idea that when you're younger as a man, you know, and and an old man is sort of like, you know, in your face or or being, you know, really disrespectful just because of the fact that you're younger or whatever. And you think, you know, hey, I'm actually young and healthy and I could probably take this guy, but you you also respect that there's some old guy energy that's inside there that'll probably come out in a way that <laughs> old <will>, guy energy <laughs> yeah that like this there's like some kind of like you know genetic uh you know wisdom or or muscle memory or something that's going to come out and you know that that that's on reserve like that you just haven't built up yet in your life so that the pro- you know mm-hmm. even though it, it looks like you should be able to um you know, defend yourself. You you just sort of feel like, <laughs> no, it's not going to work. This guy's going to pull out something, you know? And, and I yeah. feel like that, that's sort of, you know, yeah, he did. He made a big mistake there, but does Jesse have the, you know, like, does Jesse win anything by like, you know, winning that argument? Not really. You know what I mean? He's just going to, he's just going to get more, um, you know, he's just going to, he's just going to get turned around on him and be about him. So you kind of see why he brings it up and then just lets it go. Yeah. Speaking of old man energy, what you were just describing reminded me of that scene early on in the series in the first season when they go to the clothing store to get junior some pants and you know how those kids yeah. are teasing junior and then Walt comes around and, you know, He's challenging them, and they they back off. So I think that's a perfect illustration of what you were just uh, what you were just describing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ready to go, punk? Yeah. <laughs> um, but something else that I think is is worth mentioning um, is that Jesse's actually full of some good ideas, even if he's unintentionally full of good ideas. So like like that he's actually the one that comes up with the idea that we should build a battery. And, and of course that leads Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great line. And um listening to the uh insider podcast, uh this is uh something that wasn't in the script actually. And uh, it was something that uh Aaron Paul came up with and they had already uh you know closed the gates for the day they were they had wrapped. And Aaron came up with the idea, and I guess he told uh, the the camera guys that he wanted to try it, and they called Michelle back, and they're like, we got to do this one thing, and they did it. And um, uh, Vince Gilligan hadn't wasn't aware of that until like he was watching it in the editing room, and oh. so he had no idea that the line was in there, and uh, Kelly Dixon said that he laughed so hard he almost fell off the couch uh, <laughs> at that line. So That's I thought that sweet. was pretty cool. Yeah, a little improv line there. And, um, of course, uh, Jesse comes up with some other good ideas throughout the series. Like, it's his idea when Mike and, and Walter bicker- are bickering over the, the laptop. Yeah. yeah. And he comes up with the idea for the magnets. So, he uh, he does have some, some good ideas al- along the way. Yeah. yeah. And the sad part about that is, is like what we talked about way back when we were talking about the first couple of episodes. And it's how he... He he can't even really trust himself with those ideas. Like he really needs to get validation. You know that's that's his that's what he what's what he wants for for having those ideas. And and you know he's in this situation with a person that that isn't really uh, you know ever going to give it to him. You know which is always mm-hmm. tragic for a setup. 
yeah, he there's a there's a bunch of of great. Um, you mentioned in your overall impressions that this is like you know the kind of like a like peak uh, banter between these two, and and I would agree completely. Um, just they they they've I guess you know by this many episodes they've 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 gotten into to really got into the groove of of how to to be them you know to to go back and forth naturally and um it comes out and it all feels so like it's it's funny and it's ridiculous at times but it all feels completely natural also you know don't forget your pants we'll be back right after this short break We're just under a month to go until Badass Fest 6. Each year, we take the blockbuster month of July to celebrate the 80s and 90s action stars we grew up with. Big guns, big muscles, bigger explosions. If it's dumb, fun, and kicking ass, we love it. This year, we're inviting you to our hometown to watch a secret badass film with us. Afterwards, we'll record the podcast. Get your tickets and full event info at baldmove.com live. No hints about the movie, except we're pretty sure most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be a real crowd pleaser. Our neighborhood theater features a full bar, all your favorite snacks, and we'll be providing some custom movie-themed cocktails. It's happening Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the Queen City, Cincinnati. Get full details and tickets now at baldmove.com live. And hey, if you'll be in town on Saturday and have an appetite for outdoor adventure, join Aaron on an optional side quest as he guides a group of intrepid bald move kayakers down our national scenic river, the Little Miami. Once again, get full details on all main and side quests and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live. Hey, the boys are back in town. Just in time to heat up summer, our favorite blood-soaked, darkly humorous deconstruction of the superhero mythos returns on Amazon Prime Video. Boys Season 4 gets started on June 13th, but we'll get the drop on them with our preseason preview coverage the week before. It's been a while. A lot's happened since last season. Two whole years, labor dispute, that kind of thing. But we'll be catching you up on all the major plot points and character beats as we left things off. Plus, we'll be looking at the trailers and latest news to piece together what to expect. I know one thing to expect. Right off the bat, they're dropping three debut episodes for the premiere. Woo! But otherwise, who knows? Will Gus Fring reveal why he has absolutely no fear of Homelander? And while we're on that topic, will Butcher and the Boys figure out a way to stop Christian nationalist Superman? Will those crazy kids, Monster Man and Starlight, find a way to make things work? Come laugh, cry, and maybe even throw up in your mouth a little with us as we discover the answers for ourselves this season of The Boys. Find it by searching for the Department of Homelander Security wherever you listen to podcasts, or subscribe to Ball Move Pulp to get all our coverage of sci-fi, fantasy, and superheroic entertainment. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, 
Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Tight, tight, tight. We're back with more DDT. Okay, so you mentioned the Insider Podcast earlier, which I tried to sort of side-listen to this week when I was doing something else, and it turns out that this one had a really weird mix where you could you could hear Vince Gilligan. He was talking directly into the microphone, and then all the other people involved, I think Sam Catlin and Michelle McLaren were there, but I, I couldn't really hear their responses that well. And um, so I wanted to ask you, because you said you listened to it, I thought they said something about Aaron Paul not drinking water while he was filming, I guess, to kind of get into the the spirit of becoming dehydrated. Was was that true? Yeah. So that's something that I don't know that she mentioned that he actually drank water on set, but for like, I guess, in prep ahead of time, like he Uh. wanted to get into like the feeling of what it feels like to be really dehydrated. So yeah, he he tried to go. Uh, she didn't specify how long, but he went for some period of time without drinking uh, to to get into. I guess method acting. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> he wanted to know what it really felt like. But um, something else that they talked about on the Insider podcast was how they actually went about filming um, a, a lot of these scenes. So it's uh, they they did actually go out for some exterior shots in the desert, not too far from their Q Studios. But uh, they also have um, – they had the the interior on a soundstage. So they talked a little bit about that, and that's something that they built for the the very first episode that they still had. And um, so, like, when Jesse goes and closes the blinds at one point, that's when they transitioned to inside. Because while they were filming out in the desert, apparently the sun sets really quickly in the desert. So you mm-hmm. have about 15 minutes sort of thing. So uh, it's a mixture of both like on location, on stage, and uh, they were also talking about how like they used um, sunset filters to try to really stretch those uh, those sunsets out. Mm. A couple of things about that, because I, I do remember hearing uh, Vince saying something about the dimensions being different on the um, RV. And that's true. That is one thing that I, I, I recognized when I went back and watched... Um, 611 better call Saul Mm -hmm. 611 last week that when Saul is in there with them and they're you know he's holding the round bottom flask and all that that's that's clearly that looks so much bigger to me at this point than than what I was used to seeing from Breaking Bad I mean it's all it's all it all looks fine it all looks like the exact same thing but that that looks like the soundstage to me that they built rather than the actual RV which was was interesting to pick up on yeah, that was a big point of uh, contention when Better Call Saul aired that episode. I know a lot of people were upset about that. Got a lot of comments on it on <laughs> on my YouTube video for that, that one. They were like, oh, the RV big. took me out. Yeah, Jesse's too old. The RV's too big. Yeah, I, I saw a lot about Jesse being too old, but um, 
I, I didn't I guess I didn't notice that until I watched it this time. And it was just because I was watching so much Breaking yeah. Bad with you and <laughs> going up to yeah. this that that it, it stood out. Um so you know, one of the things that, that is is funny about this is that this was envisioned as a bottle episode, which is like, you know, <laughs> the thing that I see people complain about so much, you know, covering TV shows is, yeah. uh, you know, this idea that, um, you know, whenever they have a, a character focused episode, like, you know, where something doesn't necessarily uh, move the plot in, in the same way that the, the average episode does. I mean, obviously they do that for budgetary, cons- you know, concerns and, um, that's why it's kind of funny that this one was supposed to be that. Like whenever Vince had the idea, he thought they were going to shoot the whole thing inside the RV on the soundstage and it didn't turn out to be that way. But I think the script, you know, I think the script is written in that way, though, is that like we're going to mm-hmm. check off these. We're going to check off all of the other characters, you know, check in and, and see them. But then we're going to give Walt this situation that he's going to be dealing with internally and then it goes back to that idea of process episodes, right? Like where they, where he works through that and they have a problem, like he has his problem internally. They run into a problem whenever the battery dies and, and we see him, you know, we, this is the, the in-between stuff, right? That Vince talks about, about how, mm-hmm. you know, he really likes the way this, you know, instead of just rushing from one thing to the next, he likes to show the parts in between where the characters work through and, and you see the effects of this stuff. And this is like kind of quintessential, right? I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is like, like I said, you hear people complain about this idea of a bottle episode, but in spirit, that's what we see here. And, you know, this is, this is, you know, great television. This is, you know, as far as everything that this character is going to do later is, you know, enhanced by this, this hour that we, or 45 minutes or whatever we spend with him in this, in this one place where, you know, nothing really happens. You know, if if you're looking at it with a negative uh, viewpoint, you know, but a lot does happen, and I think you just made that point, right? So, I mean, it is a neatly contained episode. So, like, they have the problem of being stuck in the desert, and then they resolve that within the allotted time frame of this one episode. So, it's nicely wrapped up at the end. And that's why I think I find that final shot of him punching the paper towel <laughs> dispenser so provocative, because it also leaves the, the, the series at this point, like, hanging in the balance, like, well, what happens now, right? So like he's uh about what a hundred thousand dollars shy of his his goal um for how much money he wants to make. Mm-hmm. And um you know but but now he's faced with like the prospect of having to live longer than he anticipated. And what is he gonna do with that time? And um you know you mentioned uh, uh budgetary constraints um as it relates to bottle episodes and something they also talked about on on the insider <laughs> podcast is how this actually ended up being i think the most expensive episode yeah, of I think that's the whole what he season said, right it was <laughs> it was the most expensive one since the pilot so his yeah. plan his plan to make everything self-contained and save a bunch of money didn't work out at all uh just sort of like you know <laughs> Walt and Jesse's plan to to make a bunch of meth and then go hang out and have some Denny's uh didn't didn't go as planned either mhm but in thinking of, of bottle episodes everyone complains about the fly that's probably the most 
universally disliked episode of the whole <laughs> series. But uh, even though that one's um, obviously very different from this one, something that's similar about the the two is that we really see Walt really seem to to show some regret, some remorse for his mm-hmm. actions. So I think of him like apologizing to Jesse about Jane and he's sorry. And then he talks about how like the perfect time for him to have died would have been when Skylar was singing that nursery rhyme to Holly uh, right before he left the house, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think they're interesting. Both of these episodes are interesting for that alone, right? Like we really get into this guy's head in, in, a, in a different kind of way. Because he seems so removed from the what he's doing and the and the violence that he has wrought and the harm he has caused, and that's something we've been talking about at length on this podcast, right? Like, mm-hmm. is, is does he really give a shit? And I think I would probably still answer that, like, no, not really. Um, he's able to compartmentalize, but I think we do see glimpses of how he does actually wrestle with with some of this. And so I think, you know, to answer that question that I posed to you at the beginning. Why does he beat that paper towel dispenser? It's because now he has to actually face his his sin. So I, I also talked a little bit about this idea of remission of sin. Um, and I've, I was thinking just rhetorically of how similar that is to signs of remission, mm-hmm. just with the G there. So the signs and sins of remission, right? Mm-hmm. And so like this idea that he thought maybe he his death would would not necessarily absolve him of what he he did, but it the ends justify the means, right? Like it doesn't matter what he does because he's just going to die anyway, and he doesn't have to think about what he's actually done. And he doesn't have to outrun it, you know. He just has to get away with it long enough that he can check out, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's why this is such a smart decision to, because I mean, even for Breaking Bad standards, it, it, this this whole thing in the desert wraps up really, really neatly. I mean. Um, it seems like they're scot free, you know. Like they, when you when you think about them going out in the desert for four days, you feel like that should be impossible for him to get away with. But it does seem like that they do, and then he gets great news, which is then you know everything is going in the right direction for this character. But all of the you know, all of those lies, the lies that he talked about whenever he has that confession. Mm-hmm. Those are all going to catch up with him, and he knows that he's not stupid, right? And the longer he's around, the you know the higher the probability that you know that's going to come back up. Those are going to come back to haunt him, and um, yeah, just a just a fantastic journey to put the character on, and then a great way to uh, you know end it so that you're just like blown away by the the complexity of of the, of the situation and and the the depth of the character it's it's fantastic it is and it's a it's a huge turning point for waltz i mean for many reasons obvious reasons right like he's not going to die as soon as he thought he was so he now has a life ahead of him but i think you know uh in terms of the 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 broader narrative of this the story that they're telling you know up to this point Walt has been saying like he's doing this for his family he's doing this for his family and he's finally accomplished what he set out to do for his family and so now part of of this this uh the sentence of more life and I think that's probably how he might think of it at this point is like what is he going to do with himself and he can he keep 
deluding himself into thinking that he's doing this for his family. Because I think this was like maybe the last maybe moment in the series where he could actually say he did this for his family. Yeah. And, you know, the, the I was this, this kind of unrelated. I mean, it's not unrelated, but I, I came to this this thought through something unrelated, something else I was I was reading about yesterday. And um, there's a lot of work that goes into just walking around and looking normal whenever you think you're dying of cancer, right? I mean, the the dissonance of that of being alive and 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 feeling relatively normal but knowing in the back of your head that it's all coming to an end, you know, like that that has an effect on everyone and I think it it's po- I mean, I think I it's I think it's impossible to say what that is actually like. I mean, I I've never, you know, I have never had anything that that would compare to that to, you know, that I could say, okay, this is sort of like that time whenever this happened to me. I mean, there's it's really fun, you know, it's really final. And, um, you know, I can't, I, I don't have anything to, to draw on to, to compare that to, but I imagine in, you know, that, that this is, this, this is something that if you know that it's coming, then you have to behave a certain way. And whenever that's, whenever that idea is, is, is whenever that situation changes, then a lot of what you've been stuffing down reemerges, right? Like, I, cause I was thinking about this other story that, that uh, this other show that I'm covering and this idea that, you know, people, they go and they have to do this thing and it is basically a death sentence and they know it and wondering why they comply. And I, you know, I, I was reading something that the author said that they watched a documentary about people on death row or something to that effect. And the, mm-hmm. and the idea of like, if you were going, if you were in prison and you were getting a death sentence, and it was that direct, it, it wasn't this idea of like cancer or whatever. But they're going to take you, and that you know they're going to come and they're going to say, "Okay, it's time," and you're going to get up and you're going to walk and you're going to follow them. And you would think that you would go kicking and screaming, but almost nobody does, you know, because by the time they get to that point, they've already been re- living with that reality to the to the to the degree that they can't really imagine doing anything different anymore. Like they, they basically given up, you know what I mean? And, um, that's an interesting way to think about, you know, Walt, if he was, if he was <laughs> a normal human, I, I don't know if, if, it, if we would apply it the same way because he's a TV character and, and they have ideas about, you know, where he's going to go as a result of this information. But, you know, I, I, I think that, yeah, it's, a uh, um, it's really it's a really complex and um interesting thing to think about. You mentioned the idea of people on death row. I mean, there are occasions and it's not actually that uncommon where like the governor of whatever state will commute their sentence or give them a stay or something like that. So they think they're going to die on X day, but then they get a stay and then, you know, who knows when they're going to die. I imagine that's probably pretty pretty torturous. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking of an X-Files episode called Beyond the Sea. And it's about the serial killer who's psychic, um, played by, I forget the guy's name, but he was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nests. He played, um, what was that kid, that kid's name, Bibbit, the one with the stutter? Uh, yeah, I don't know what the actor's name is, but um, I know you're talking uh, about. I can't think of it. That guy. Um, plays this, uh, it's a great episode, plays a serial killer. And he's one of, he's on death row and he talks about like 
going to and he got his uh he got stay before so he's had to like make that walk a couple times and mm. i don't know that just made me think of it it's pretty interesting he talks about what it's like to walk that mile and how haunting that is you want to move on to favorite line sure uh okay so yeah so for favorite line for this one uh this was hard to to choose there were so many really good lines and there's a lot of funny lines but I went with the, I have it coming. I deserve this. Yeah. I think that's a standout. Um, I probably would have picked that if I hadn't seen that you did in the <laughs> notes. Um, Sorry. It, I mean, it's fine. It, it It's uh, it's one of those ones where it's hard to compete with. It's, it's really a, um, just a, such a, such a, I mean, it, it's so, true and and still and so unbelievable to hear the character say it at the same time so it's really powerful Mm -hmm. what about you what was your favorite i went with um when he says he's doing the cranking thing and he says it has to work you understand and and you know the line itself is is isn't anything out of the ordinary um but i really like how that this is sort of the moment when Jesse starts to put together all the pieces, right, um, where he starts to to realize that uh, this isn't really about the methylamine. This is about something else. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just a moment where by itself it, it probably doesn't do anything. But with all the accumulated um, things that have happened over this period of time while they're there, uh, you know, it, it it's a it's a big uh, it's a big moment for for Jesse to, to kind of put things together. Yeah. Yo, lie much? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my runner up was whenever he says, whenever, whenever they're talking about the batteries and, and he's, he's, he's figuring out what Walt's saying and Walt's excited, you know, because he knows how the battery works. And he says, and Nick, and it's what? And he says, oh, wire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As the element, he says, what's the element, the final element or yeah. whatever. And he says, oh, yeah, what, what shall we use as a, yeah, yeah, what shall we use as a conductor for this? And he's like, hmm, hmm. And he's holding the piece of copper. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And Jesse's face, uh, his face as he's explaining like, you know, the, the um, diode and it's anode, yeah. et cetera. And Jesse's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's so pumped up. Yeah. There's a ton of them. There's, there's so many yeah. funny ones. My my runner up was a robot because yeah. that's just so funny. That's so also, so good. Also fantastic. What about a shot? What was your favorite shot? So there, we already mentioned that there were a lot of really really great ones in this one. So the cook montage. I also really love the song that they they used um, over the the cook montage, and I wrote that down. That was called "One by One" by the Black Seeds. I thought that was really great. And when they're first driving out there, um, they're playing Good Morning Freedom by Blooming. So really good music in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love the the cook montage. I love the white, all the white shots of the RV in the desert. And there was one shot of like the sun setting and like the colors, the oranges and the browns, like match the stripes on the bounder perfectly. Mm-hmm. It was just a really cool shot. Uh, I also love uh, we we both I think are fond of the shots where we get like object point of view and yeah, there's one absolutely. where the camera is the camera is underneath the glass tray where they're doing the pour uh-huh. with the blue meth. But I had to go, I had to go, and 
actually, this one was was a toss-up. I really wasn't sure which one to go with. So I like the one of Walt, the wide shot of him sitting in the field, and all you just see is, like, from his shoulders up, he's got the towel on his head. Yeah. Um, You know, I already t- made, talked a little bit about, like, the the biblical overtones of remission of sin kind of looks <laughs> it looks like he's out there meditating or something like mm-hmm. that like he's having a come to jesus moment um i really love that that shot but i had to go with the paper towel dispenser yeah both of those are are, are big contenders um i thought i thought the first time i went through i was thinking a lot about the towel and then the second time i i i did get an appreciation for the shot of him in the field um but I ended up going with the airport shot, and it's partially because we do see that again. We see that with Hank, and we see that with Kim and, and Better Call Saul. Uh, you know that those turning point moments at the at the old airport there, and um, but also because in this one we see the we see the meth lab pull up. <laughs> yeah. And Brian Cranston does the best angry walk whenever he goes, <laughs> he goes from like, you have this beautiful shot, you know, this low shot with the, you know, the whole, you can see his whole body there and you can see, you know, the expanse of this parking lot, you know, but you don't really see, you know what I mean? It's just the setup of the shot is then the one that they go back to over and over again is, is perfect. But then, yeah, when you follow that up with him, seeing the the RV and then walking over to to just scream at Jesse like I, the, you brought a meth lab yeah. to the airport <laughs> <laughs> such a good such a good little sequence there uh you know it's like his his little bit of quiet time you know where he he thinks about his you know his plan to to try to pull it all together for his family one last time before uh you know he gets the inevitable bad news and then, oh boy, God, I can't believe Jesse is pulling up in <laughs> the meth lab to take. Yeah, you know, you know why I love that that shot and that that line. Um, you brought a um, you brought a meth lab to the airport. Jesse kind of throws that line back at him later when Walt brings a bomb into a hospital yeah. in the diaper bag, <laughs> and he's like, "You brought a bomb into a hospital." So you know, Walt is you know he's. We we mentioned earlier how he thinks he's like you know better than everyone, but you know he makes some stupid mistakes and has some stupid ideas too. So I don't know. He's just a judgmental asshole. And uh, I I kind of alluded to this a little bit um, in the teaser, but just something else that I I wanted to maybe end with here is like you should be kind to objects because we see <laughs> we see Walt beat the shit out of this um paper towel dispenser, and then of course. He sees that paper towel dispenser. I think it's in Gliding Overall. I don't remember exactly which episode it is in season five when he finds out that his cancer is back and he sees yeah. that paper towel dispenser still dented. And I love how they also did that with uh, with Jimmy and Saul. So in the very can, first yeah. episode, yeah, he kicks that garbage can um, by the elevators in HHM. And, uh, of course, we, we see many shots of that dented a garbage can um, up until the point where they're there for Howard's memorial and they've replaced it. But Jimmy gets caught in a garbage can. He gets caught in um, a dumpster. That's where Gene is finally, you know, uh, picked up by the police. And I was thinking again of like that, the not that a paper towel dispenser is the same thing as a vat, but that's how Walt meets his his end. So with a similar looking object. Yeah. And, it, and I always thought about those, you know, how, how you – 
you know how they both they're both lashing out right they're both um mm-hmm. and but it ends up it ends up leaving this mark that they can't escape you know they have to they have to come they're they have to see that again later and be reminded of of where they were at at that time like if Walt doesn't punch this thing if he just walks away and you know counts to 10 or whatever <laughs> whatever a, a more healthy uh choice might have been he wouldn't have to be reminded of it every single time he sees that. And it's the same thing with yeah. with Jimmy, right? Every time he walks into HHM, he's always walking in there thinking that, you know, defeat is just around the corner, but he has a, a, a perfect reminder of, of him losing his cool that he sees on the way in, you know? Yeah. And that, that's why I, I, I highlight this because with Walt punching this paper towel dispenser at this moment, at this point in time, it's because he's upset he's going to live, right? Yeah. Like it's, I think it's grief that he's feeling. It, it it's probably a lot of things as as you said, P. It's it's more it's more than just one thing. I don't think we can just say it's oh, it's just this or it's just that. I think it's a mixture of of grief, maybe a little relief, I don't know, but certainly at the when he sees that paper towel dispenser again when he when he learns that his cancer is back, he doesn't want to die at that point. You know, his his mm-hmm. whole outlook and view has changed. Now this is someone that isn't ready to to lay down and die. So it's quite a shift from here where he was ready to go and then when he come, comes back it's it's a different feeling for him. And of course he's done so many horrible things at that point. Yeah. Like really really awful things and he really really does deserve it. Uh-huh. <laughs> at that point, right? So it's it's an interesting callback. Um maybe we'll talk about it when we get to that one, huh? Yeah, definitely. I think we will. I think that that pretty much wraps this episode up. Uh, this is a shorter podcast today, but um, I think I got everything that I wanted to, to talk about. How about you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we could probably keep going, but there's. Yeah, I think we touched on everything that's really important um, in this one because again, it's funyons. it's a bottle we, episode. We didn't, we didn't yeah. bring up the funyuns. <laughs> yeah, I like. I that. love how Walt like takes a bite and then he throws it. I love that that quick little shot, like how uh-huh. he's like going to try it and then he throws it away. Like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> and Jesse, all Jesse's. I mean, I I am in agreement with uh, Walt though. His his he did he did a pretty bad job of of um, shopping for for that trip. Like everything that was coming out of there was was there was not a lot of uh, you know nutrition involved in that thought process. No. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and certain the the fact that Walter marks at the very beginning of the episode when he sees like he only brought ten gallons of water, he's like, "You only brought ten gallons," and Jesse's yeah, like, know, "Are you going to bathe in it?" Yeah. So yeah, they drew our attention to that. I think uh, like a, a sort of Chekhov's gun, right? Like whatever uh-huh. they show you in the first act has to be important in like the third act, sort of yeah. thing. So that's certainly true. That would have been it. that would have been amazing if they would have figured out a way to make a battery out of Funyuns then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow our podcast and hit that bell for notifications. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you wish to support GDT, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash growth decay transformation. Yeah. And look us up on Twitter. You can connect with us there at Breaking Bad GDT. And you can always write us. We always like to hear your feedback. You can reach us at BreakingBadGDT at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know what you think. Why do you think 
Walt punches that paper towel dispenser. What do you think's going on in his head? Let us know. All right, so thanks for listening. Join us next week, and we will be discussing over.